So hi everyone and uh, hi. So I believe that knowledge when transferred it leads to knowledge enhancement. So I welcome you all to our show AI Knowledge Hub with me Anisha Sidi from India and with our dear special guest who is an inclusion specialist and a multi-dimensional content creator Mr Michael from Dallas United States. I wanted to refer to uh, Miss Pia or uh, his wife post where she told like it is crossing the continents yes knowledge has no boundaries it is crossing the continents and we are here to exchange our knowledge and spread the knowledge i'm very sure at the end of the show everyone will gain insights of ai and the domain knowledge of inclusion specialist a media producer and a content creator so i think we'll start with a self introduction of our guest you go ahead michael well hello everybody and thank you anisha for having me on this is a special show it's your first show and i'm really honored to be on your first show this is something that um i i didn't see it coming we've been engaging for so long um in the comment sections on li uh linkedin and um your videos on artificial intelligence really resonated with me and you made them so accessible and so easy to just interpret and the way you laid out your videos and the way you um had the way you organized the information was it was just so easy to digest so I was like man this is like the best stuff on on LinkedIn right now this information is so valuable and the way companies are utilizing it right now it, it's such in high demand and I was you know even telling my wife like you know we really need to just sit Zoe down my daughter is 16 and just have her study this stuff and just really get her into it um she's really impressed she's into stem um and she's going into engineering architecture she's an artist as well and so yes thank you for for having me on and yes i am um a media producer uh, primarily uh i'm a guitar player that's what i tell everybody when they ask me and i've worked as an inclusion specialist providing music therapy and i specialize in what's known as the integration of ability uh which is being able to take your thoughts and emotions um enabled and to be able to have feelings and to understand and own the feelings that you're having um we do that by way of learning the absolute fundamentals of the four arts which is music visual art dance and theater and um from there we just integrated into whatever comes and for me it's been business development and music therapy yes so we have with us like elizabeth thank you for joining and we have yes. kenneth here yeah thank you so much for joining okay. and um, <laughs> we have lisa here thank you so much for joining and oh my goodness i'm so glad lisa made it i was really hoping she'd be here yeah and we have a positive vibrator michelle here and uh, yes so and i'm searching for yes so i think yeah we have ashley here so hello ashley thank you for being a friend she's my my golden girl spirit person yeah she's a value adder always so she tells like michael is too modest and way more than just those awesome guitar skills okay 
So hi James, hi Michelle, and everybody a big hi. So let us dive yeah. into the show. And uh, this show has uh, four core parts, which I called uh, five eyes of AI. So as we already know, AI is artificial intelligence. So it emulates the human intelligence. Some aspect of human intelligence, not completely. So what are the five eyes which I formulated is ideate, invest and incorporate and integrate and instigate. So all these five eyes has mapping with the AI main parts, which is like ideate is for knowledge base. So let us start this section one by one and let us start with the ideate stage. So we all generate ideas. Each one has different ways of generating ideas. Certain people like they generate ideas when they are walking or certain people are like they generate ideas when they listen to music. Each, it differs uh, for each person. And I would like to uh, have like um, Michael would tell about us how he had his idea generation. And before that, I wanted to make sure that uh, everybody knows what is domain knowledge and domain expert. So AI needs domain knowledge. For example, if I'm developing a system for a healthcare uh, or uh, particularly for Parkinson disorder, I need a help of a neurosurgeon and neurosurgeon will give me a knowledge for developing the AI system for Parkinson disorder. So here we have a doctor as a domain expert and the knowledge which he provides to me is known or he or she provides to me is known as the domain knowledge. So this so domain knowledge, knowledge forms the core, core of the AI, of AI system. system. And, today, and today we are going to integrate the process of artificial intelligence with music therapy and meditation, how it goes uh, get along and where, where we can incorporate in the uh, process of music therapy and meditation. So we have today our domain expert, Mr. Michael will elaborate on these five sections and we can have a knowledge extraction from him. So yeah, we'll start with the ideate stage. Um, so that question is more or less how, how I come up with my ideas, how I generate ideas. And it really depends on the situation. Um, it, it, sometimes it sounds really cheesy to say, but uh, meditation plays a very strong part, a very strong role in my ideations. And I've said this uh, to a few people who are on the chat today that um, I don't do a lot of small talk because I'm always in ideation and I have to be careful that I'm not just spitting out ideas. Um, so I, I keep myself reserved much of the time, but, um, the main way I ideate is I come up with a concept. Let's say the concept is the color blue. And I will ideate on the color blue and take it through the four fundamental arts. What is the resonant factor of the color blue? What is not the color blue? So like, you know, the absence of yellow is blue and blue is the absence of yellow. So you get into the visual aspect of the color theory. And then from there you think, okay, well, how does it move? How does the color blue move? What am I going to use it for? And then finally, is the final production of how I'm going to present the color blue. And so if you can imagine that level of idea with a business or with someone who is 
learning to communicate with an autistic person or someone who's going through pain management and they have to figure out, okay, you know, how, how do I deal with this? There are only so many, you know, pills and medications I can take and therapies I can go through. How can I mentally deal with the depression that comes with having to, you know, deal with things like that? So I take it through, I take my ideation through the four fundamental arts. Um, and that way I don't have to deal with them emotionally. I don't have to deal with, is the color blue sad? Is it happy? Does it emote anything? So that's where it turns into being able to take the thoughts and emotions to figure out, okay, well, how do I feel about the color blue now? And how do I move forward with that? Is, is that my feeling or um, is it coming from an outside source or an external factor? And, and that's how, that's how that's I, I, that's, that's how I generate. And from there, I start to look for information. I start to learn more. Um, I try to learn something to its definitive end so that I can maneuver within the confines of, of whatever that idea is going to have to be. Uh, because in what I do in, in experience design, especially when I'm developing, uh, there is a beginning and there is a definite end. I do have to get to a deadline and I do have to get to something. So I can't just sit here, oh, color blue all day long and, you know, <laughs> it, it can't work that way. I, I have to, I have to move through things and I have to finish them. Yes, that is really amazing. The ideation process where you uh, correlate with the four fundamentals of arts. And it's uh, really nice to see how color plays a vital role and how you connect with that. So, yes. So next we'll go to the section two where we have invest and incorporate. So this is mapped with the uh, inference engine of AI. And uh, inference engine is nothing but which uses the knowledge base. That is where we uh, incorporate all the ideas which we have extracted just now. Like what he told about the four core parts or like how he uh, ideate through meditation. So all these are fed into the knowledge base and that is used by the inference engine. So as a human being, uh, we invest on many things like on tangible and non-tangible things. And uh, we also incorporate or formulate some process to make the ideas come true. And this inference engine is all about the process, how it is utilizing the knowledge base. So I think our domain expert will uh, elaborate on that invest and incorporate process. And before that, we have Sam here, who is our uh, very dear friend and uh, who is a LinkedIn expert, I can tell. So we have Sam here, Michael. So I think oh, you hey, can. Sam. I'm so glad he saw that. He is the most friendly person on, on LinkedIn and um, we had a chat before and he really helped me sort of come out of my shell. He, he let me talk and he listened and he gave me just a straight up, hey, you know what, there's, there's nothing wrong with how you socialize. There's nothing wrong with how you do things on here. And he was really uplifting and, um, you know, he, he really allowed me to come out of my shell. So I'm, I'm really glad he showed up and I'm glad he's here uh, on LinkedIn helping everybody else also. And um, so we're at section two, uh, the inference engine, invest and incorporate. Yeah. So um, it, if we're going from ideation into incorporating that idea, um, of course you want it to be of value. So let's go back to the color blue, right? I didn't want it just to be arbitrary. So I thought, okay, well, 
we'll start there. How, how would we invest and incorporate the color blue and how it pertains to, let's say, music therapy, right? Um, in music therapy, um, before the show started, we were talking, okay, well, do we get into like the happiness of music and the sadness of music and, you know, things like that. And um, to reiterate what we're talking about is I don't get into the feeling of songs unless I'm specifically dealing with an emotional aspect of something. So right now, let's just keep it surface AI, um, something tangible. Um, it's said uh, through the Stedman's Medical Dictionary that the pineal gland, right? Um, it, it, that word has a stigma attached to it because of all the stuff that you hear, you know. Um, but it, it's a thing. We have it in our brain. It does exist. And it does have a, a very vital function. And it does have a color that resonates around it, which is a royal blue color. And um, when you're sitting in a room that's pitch black, it's completely dark with no light coming in, it opens. Whereas when you're out in the sun, it does not open. And so the question is, all right, well, why does that matter? Well, because you have to get there. You have to get to there in a certain way. And if we're thinking about, okay, well, how do we get from the color blue? We have to travel through our uh, cerebral spinal fluid. And how do we do that? Well, that's where music theory comes in that's where we start to incorporate the um, the faculties of resonance, the faculties of rhythm and sound. And uh, again, back to the visual aspect, we have to be able to ideate or uh, visualize something in, in that area uh, to be able to allow ourselves to travel through the spinal fluid. And in that, um, that's where we start to incorporate the music theory. Um, and so when we're looking at, okay, well, how, how do you use music theory in music therapy? Well, you can't just throw out something like rhythm and resonance to someone who has never experienced or hasn't taken any type of class, music lessons, and a lot of people haven't. Um, so you have to take them through those lessons first in order for them to understand what's happening. Um, you know, because it's not about, oh, just, you know, sit back and relax because we do have to get into a meditative state in order to reach that color blue, that, uh, royal blue. So when you're teaching music therapy, um, and music theory, uh, you teach piano, yes? So, Anisha, so do you teach piano? Yeah, yeah, I teach piano. Yeah, right. So, so you know the basics, right? You know the, the whole yeah. note, the quarter note, the half note, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, well, when we're talking about the pineal, um, you know, it, it secretes melatonin, right? So that's why it's important to be able to visualize that blue. And you want to be able to communicate with that part of your brain. You, you, you can literally communicate with it. You can speak to it. And I know it sounds weird, but it's, it's a thing. Um, so from my domain knowledge, when you're looking at, you know, an institution such as the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, 
um, you know, melatonin is used for, let's say, uh, the healing of multiple sclerosis, right? So when I'm working with someone who's dealing with something like that, then they have to know that the pineal has that fluid, that melatonin, and it secretes it when it's, you're sitting in a dark room. But how do you get there, right? How, how do you run through that circuit? Well, they have to learn music theory at its surface. They have to learn what the whole note is, what the half note is, because then they're going to have to use what, what I interpret as artificial intelligence, which is your mind working, right? Because you're not sitting there clapping, right? You have to sit in complete silence and your, your brain has to work. So there are certain um, symbols that are used, which we can go through later, that you can burn into your brain and that will identify as a whole note. And when you apply that and you're concentrating and meditating on your spinal fluid, then that resonance, that one, two, three, four, that will push the fluid up and it goes up in a serpentine motion. And so then you get to the half note, right? So on one, you have the one, two, that going, you keep that going in your mind. It's all happening in your mind, right? So you have to have learned these things. And so then you get to the, the half note while the whole note is going. So one, two, three, four, as the other one's going, and then so on. And as all of that's happening, all the way to the 64th note, which is like the like it's going so fast, it reaches your pineal, right? It goes through the pituitary into your pineal and back down, and it begins the circuit, right? Now, researchers have identified that a molecular switch that awakens stem cells in a specific region of the brain, which activates new types of glia. Now, this glia exists within your spinal fluid, right? And so once you awaken those, um, all of that starts to happen automatically, which I call AI. Because you can do this while you're sitting down. You can do this while you're walking. If you're just walking down the street and you need to activate this thing, then you concentrate on those symbols that go through those fractions, the whole note, the half note, right? They, they form a, a picture when they're all put together, right? So you're, you're holding them together the same way glia holds together the neurons, which allows the synapses and everything to communicate with each other. Okay, so that's one way, right? And again, this is not an easy thing. This, we're not talking about sitting down and relax and, you know, feel the vibe and that kind of thing. This is hard science. This is actually knowing how to use the functions of what we have. And, you know, music therapy is something that psychotherapists turn to because they can't say this. They can't take someone through this, especially if they don't have the music theory foundation, if they don't have that experience in knowing these things and being able to put the two together. So I really enjoyed working through that module that you put together in this because it, it's hard to explain that to somebody. And the module that you put together in, in uh, the inference engine, how we invest our time in learning these things and going through these things. Like, why do I have to learn a whole note? Well, because it's going to serve a function. You, you're, a, you're an electrical appliance, in other words, and you need to learn how to use 
all of these functions so that you can function correctly, uh, so that your neurons can have the right communication. And we have what's known as the corpus callosum, right, which connects the two hemispheres of the brain, and it's a, uh, a bundle of fibers, right? Well, one of your videos was about how do we tune ourselves, right? Well, when, let's take tinnitus, for instance, right? We have those two bundles that, that communicate, that allow the two hemispheres to communicate with one another. Well, you can tune those the same way you would tune the strings of a guitar, the same way you would tune the strings of a piano. Um, Mozart was known for just going insane, tuning his piano all kinds of ways. And, and I believe theoretically that he was trying to connect those two things because he, this is something he was also into. And I, I believe that through this meditation process, you can tune yourself that way. And the better you get at investing your time in learning the musical foundations, the art foundations, and, and those, those foundational concepts, the easier it is to incorporate into a meditative practice. Because you do have to sit there for a little bit. You do have to sit in the dark for a little while in order to feel the processes. So the investment and the incorporation, um, you, we can create an analog. If, if we work hard and we're able to document these case studies and we're able to um, have actual tangible results from people that actually take the time and invest and do these things, we can create algorithms because that's all that's happening. Your, your brain is using its own algorithm that you, you don't get to type into a computer. You just have to get the outcome. And now that we have the biofeedback technology to be able to see, yes, this is actually happening. Um, it's very important that we use this type of platform to have these discussions where you so beautifully organized the, the four eyes. And um, now I'm incorporating those four eyes into what I do. You, you've given me an entirely new language because this is hard to communicate to someone who just wants results. You know, it's hard and it's hard to communicate with someone that is dealing with something and they're wondering why, why the heck do I have to do this if I want to achieve this? And as well, you have to invest in corporations and uh, you, you did that so well. And um, I hope, I hope I explained that well yes. in, in that module. In, yes, in you just covered everything. I think you are done with the section two. I can just have a summary on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can go on forever, but that, that is the basic surface of it. That, that was the, the whole thing. I mean, but yeah, of course it's more involved, but that's like the, the best way I can explain it right now, um, you know, without having to show pictures and go into all of us, a bunch of details. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very curious about one question. So suppose uh, if we are developing an AI system for music therapy, we need some data for that. So is music notations and musical note will be a core data for that? Yes. Um, and EEG signals, something like that, which where we can yes. show. There are, um, let me find it. When we're talking about um, musical notation, right? Um, oh my goodness. 
I'm such a nerd and now I can't find my <laughs> Oh, here it is. Okay. So um, in an AI system, right, if, if we're going to do this, and I've been waiting to show this to you. All right. So can you see any of this? Yes, yes. I can see the okay. uh, notations. Okay. So you see the notations, right? You see the whole note there. Yes, yes. And you see the half note there. You see the eighth note there. Well, these, these are symbols, right? And, okay. and these are legitimate symbols. They've, they've been around forever. Um, we have misidentified them as fraction measurements, like, you know, it's an eighth of an inch or something like that. No, we're talking about resonance now. We're talking about rhythm, right? So one, two, three, four. And, and imagine we're inputting this data into a computer, right? Mm -hmm. Because the data has to translate. Let's say if we're putting um, neuropods or whatever on the brain to record what's happening. Well, then they have, the computer has to identify these things, yes. right? So, so it has to identify this one, two, three, four, and, and coinciding what's happening in your spine and how the fluid is, is moving, right? So we can create algorithms for this, right? Yes. So if someone, let's say they can't hear, like my wife, like, um, she can't hear. Uh, she can't hear like when we ohm, if we're ohming a certain pitch, and ohm, by the way, is a measurement of electrical impedance, right? Because we don't want to like blow our heads up because we're sending too much energy. Our emotions and our behaviors are governed by the amount of current that's going through our brain, right? That, that's where the burnout term comes from. You know, we, we burn out literally. So you, you take that one, take this one, this symbol, enter it into, you know, put what it is all the way down to the 64th note, right? Beyond that, we go from particle rhythm to uh, non-particle, and the um, the machine learning, the deep learning, has to understand that. It has to be able to translate when you're going from the particle to the non-particle, because that's what's happening when you're getting into physics, when you're getting into that type of thing. And so this is where I would say we would start in in doing that. And then of course you have color, you have sound, you you know, you have those things. But this is at the core of it because this is where you have to um you have to sit in silence, right? So you, you can't be tapping on something, you know, you, you have to just burn that into your mind and sit with it and know that it's happened. And you know, you set yourself a tempo. You have to know that this is happening. So this symbol, you burn it into your mind. You know when you start, when you can imagine that in your mind, that's happening, and so on. For the eighth note, the sixteenth, you know, these symbols mean something. And so a computer, once you enter that into a computer, and once you, um, once you're able to join that computer with a biofeedback machine or you know something that measures like an AKG type machine. Um, that's where we would start in, a, in creating uh, artificial intelligent algorithms to be able to track this information. Okay, so one more question is Michael, like if I'm coming for a music therapy and I'm getting therapy from you and uh, I'm telling like I'm okay, I'm, I'm feeling good, but that, that should be some validation for it. So can we integrate like with EEG signals uh, to get some validation? or that can be integrated like uh, your music notation and my uh, feedback 
like with EEG, these combine together into the AI system so that AI will provide like she's feeling good, she's uh, doing good. So it is like a double validation uh, provided to the person. So do you think it is possible? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it, I mean, it, it only stands to reason that it would be possible. And that's why we would need these notations specifically along with the knowledge of the music theory in order to be able to read the biofeedback data, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, we can fool ourselves into feeling good, right? We can make yeah. believe that we feel good and, you know, live, love, laugh, right? That kind of thing. But, like, um, we have what's known as a baseline, yes. right? And the biofeedback machines, those, I'm just going to call them machines, um, they record your baseline at a neutral level, right? So it, it takes a while, but you sit with the machines and you you finally get to a a a base a baseline a baseline level, and then your um, how do you say you're instigated, right? Mm -hmm. You're instigated to either feel mad or sad, and then we start to gather that data and we think, okay, well, this is what we see when she's feeling mad. This is what we see when she's feeling bad or whatever. And, um, and so we record that data. So that way, when you come back and you think, oh, my, you know, I'm feeling bad or whatever, then we walk through these paces. And in following these meditation practices, we can see, okay, her baseline is shifting from this to that. She came in and her baseline was this. And now we're at this point and her baseline is this. And so that's how we know. That's the quantifiable data. That is brilliant. Exactly. It's like a benchmarking, right? <laughs> it's like basic. I my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that is really essential while uh, students develop the project for uh, AI or for music therapy. They should know like a baseline for this and a baseline for that. That is correctly a, a perfect terminology to be used when we have the uh, domain knowledge extraction. And so we have, uh, before going to section three, I think we can dive into the comment section and have a look on it. Awesome. Yes. Uh, so I think LinkedIn user is PR, right? Uh, this yes. reminds me of uh, how we have a soundtrack to our everyday lives. Heavy beats for workouts and ambient sounds for work. I actually have a Spotify playlist specifically at 132 beats per minute to help me on the elliptical. Yes, yeah, she does that. And, and the 132 beats per minute is important for her because she cannot hear a sound above a certain pitch, right? So for her, it's not about the, the sound of the music. It's that beat, that driving force and that steady beat. That, and I think this is 132, you know. And uh, so that, that's really important. And we have to uh, be able to identify a rhythm that works with our circadian rhythm. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other topic. But I'm, yeah. I'm glad you put that on there. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Pia. And here, Sam, with the question, is this what genius look like? Yes, this is what genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> And Michelle is like, does anyone else feel not so smart right now? Or is that just hey, <laughs> Michelle? No, Here, here's the thing, Michelle, is, is we all have this innate knowledge, 
but it's been dormant inside of us. And the way we learn doesn't allow us to do this. I mean, you know, this, this is a, a almost now a 25 year self study. Um, from the time I was a little kid, I, my brain has just worked like this. But it doesn't take long to learn, and I know that you're going to catch on to this really, really quick. Um, and I can definitely say that your intellect is more, is far beyond what it needs to be in order to grasp this and, and utilize it. Yes. And we have James with a, we have to take a good look at the source of how this will affect us on the long run. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I mean, just like with any, the coffee I'm drinking is going to affect me in the long run. <laughs> I got to sleep, but I have insomnia, so it's all about the long run for me. So are they, and, no, yeah, Michael didn't. Oh, I was just going to uh, ask if he wanted to elaborate on the long run or if he had something else to, you know, to bring forward specifically in terms of that. I, I'd love to dive into that. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, like, at the end of this section, I want to consolidate that terminologies are really important when we are creating systems for AI for specific purposes. So, we had so many terminologies here. I cannot uh, extract everything right now, but I tried to. So, we had terminologies related to brain. We had terminologies related to music, notations, and uh, each notations had some count. So we have to create a data such that we have all the notations with the correct labels and um, the correct rhythms. And then we have to create a mapping notation of brain, turn, brain terminologies. And also we should have a validation system, I feel, like integrating with EEGs or any other biofeedback system, as he mentioned. So let us move on to section three which is integrate, like consciously or subconsciously, everyone, we human beings integrate skills. Like uh, many tell, can tell like they do multitasking uh, while doing something. So that is a form of skill. So they integrate some skills when they do uh, something. Uh, so when we attend this session, uh, we are trying to get a knowledge of what an inclusion specialist is and how the, those world is. So we're trying to extract knowledge. Maybe after the end of the session, even I get the knowledge of that skill. Maybe I can elaborate it further. So, so consciously, subconsciously, we'll be using these skills knowingly or unknowingly. So this is mapped with an AI part, which is known as knowledge acquisition and learning yeah. module. So uh, we will have an elaborate uh, section by this, uh, by Michael. Yes, you can elaborate okay. on mm. All right. So, and so to make sure that I understand, uh, we're talking about the knowledge acquisition and learning module. Okay, so knowledge acquisition, whether consciously or subconsciously, we have to, I'm not gonna say we have to, it is critical that we understand where we're getting our knowledge from, how we are acquiring that knowledge. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times when I first started going down this path, um, it started with demystifying a lot of the myths, like the ancient Greek myths, the, you know, 
biblical myths, religious myths, things like that. And um, I am, I, I don't debate religion. We're not getting into any of that stuff here. This is strictly a, a intellectual uh, discourse. So it, it was my job to, to demystify those things for the people who were suffering severe trauma, you know. Um, so let's, you know, when we're looking at that, let's take a real, real simple look at the brain, right, in terms of conscious and subconscious. We always hear that we only use 10% of our brain, right? And and we we don't use the whole other 90% of our brain, right? And but nobody ever tells us exactly why or how or you know things like that. And unless you just really dig deep into how we're acquiring that knowledge. So let's go back to the corpus callosum, right? The bundles that allow the two hemispheres of the brain to communicate. Well, we have the right side of the brain, which is the 90%, which is the part we don't use, which we call, or we don't call it, it's been known as this for ages and ages, called the pia mater, right? right. Tender, mother. Tender mother. Then we and have we the have left side, side, which is which called the dura mater, or the hard mother, right? The logical, there's nothing creative about it. This is the machine learning, right side is the deep learning. Uh, in between the two, right, and this is where those fibers come in, in between the two, we have what's known as the arachnoid or what's known as the veil. And we have to be able to go from our logical side, peek through the veil into the right side to be able to utilize it. And that's where the meditation process comes in. So one of my very, very first clients in this uh, they were suffering uh, the whole concept of honor thy mother and father, right? And they, they were, we won't go into the, the traumas that they were going through, but just me being able to tell them, okay, well, let's step away from the mother and father, like your mother and father. You, you certainly don't have to honor them for what they did, but you do have a mother brain and you do have a father brain and you do have an arachnoid, and you, those are what that myth is talking about. That's what you need to honor. That's where you need to go. And as soon as I said that, like just a whole world of weight was lifted off of their shoulders and they just could not stop crying. <laughs> and even now I'm thinking about it, it's like, damn it. Like how we acquire the knowledge that we have is so important. It's more important than having it. And um, these, this was a mother. She had 10 children and adopted two of those children on top of that. And for someone like her, such a wonderful, beautiful woman to be going through something like that, it, it was just horrendous. So I, I kind of just had to go for the jugular and say, look, this is this information. All of this information that you're guilting over, everything that you're telling me, let me demystify all of that. And now here is where you'll get your information from because now you can use this. Now you can take this and now you can teach your children this. And you know, and we were supposed to be having like piano lessons, right? And so that's how, you know, that's how I was able to start communicating these things. And you know, from there it just started to spread. Um, then we have 
let's use the word polymerization, okay. right? You ever hear someone say, oh, I can, I can taste the love in the food, right? Well, our brain sends out resonant signals. It does. There's, you can't deny it. It's provable data. So I don't mind saying it here in this platform. Everybody on this platform is super intelligent. So yes, our brain sends out this information. And if you know, like let's say you're cooking some eggs, right? I cook eggs almost every morning for my wife and I send out the signals like I want there to be a polymerization. I want there to be a bond between the resonance I'm sending out to the food that she's going to consume. And knowing that there is a such thing as polymerization, knowing that there is a degree by which that will happen when heat happens and the molecular bonds come together, even though you can't see it happening, right? I mean, you plug in a USB to your phone, you can't see what's happening, it just works, right? So, you know, again, acquiring the knowledge that you can taste the love in your food, right? From like, let's say a t-shirt, whereas you invest the time to learn what polymerization is, how it applies, how your brain sends and receives information from, you know, inanimate objects or organic objects, especially like food that you're going to put into your body. You know, it's important that we do that, especially with water. Uh, water is vital. And then we get into cymatic, right? And again, that takes us back to music and resonance and being able to hold things together through vibration. That is polymerization. Um, and then let's talk about the neurons, okay? We have what's known as OR gates, right? Which are logic circuits in our brain. You know, you have to know what those are if you're going to dive into a meditative process like this, because once the fluid starts to go through your pineal, you have to be able to regulate it. So you have 12 gates in your brain and you have to be able to regulate, okay, it's, it's going to happen this way. And that's where your, your tempo comes into play. And, you know, you're sitting there and, and you're ohming. And, and by the way, though, that thing, right, that is electrical impedance. And so that, that steadies the flow from the base of your spine to the pineal and, and back through. Um, so knowing that you have an OR gate logic circuit and you're going to have this electrical current going through your brain, you have to understand, again, another term, which is the fornax. And the fornax is what allows this information to be shot out and received back in, right? So you, you think about how light enters the atmosphere. Well, it enters at a right angle into the atmosphere. And let's say it enters at a right angle, goes in, into a plant, per se, right? And well, we are plants. There's only like a, a third of an inch of our skull, right? A photon will enter at a right angle. Where does it go? It goes into the pineal and the pineal disseminates what that information is. And we're bombarded by it all the time. You know, we're, we're getting it from everywhere. So we, it's time that yes, we, we develop some kind of artificial intelligence mechanism that allows us to teach this. And um, the ability in transference 
from a mother to an embryo is dynamic. You can teach this to a mother while she has embryo, um, once it starts to animate, once the pineal develops there and transfer this information. So that way, when it, the, the baby comes out, there's an echo of this information as you start to teach it to walk, as you start to teach it its music lessons, its you know, art lessons and things like that. It all becomes an echo. And then after that, they begin to apply it and showing what they know. Expression is the outcome of knowledge. So then they're able to express and they're able to express in ways that exhibit desired behavior outcomes. And that's why it's so important um, for this system in working with um, others who have children that are dealing with autism or, or pain and, and stuff like that. You have to know these things in order to communicate these things properly for them to apply these things. And so, yeah, that is like a, um, a nutshell, but I'm going to go into one more, right? Yeah. Bit of knowledge that we have to acquire. Um, in Sedman's dic dictionary, we have what's called the Psalterium, right? Which is the Lyra Davidicus. And uh, the Psalterium is those, is, they call it David's harp, right? Well, we have to know what tuning is. We have to know that, you know, 440 cycles per second is going to achieve this tone, right? And then that tone has octaves, right? And you're familiar with octaves, yes. So um, you, let's say you have a tone, right? You have the corpus callosum, right? Well, there's octaves, and there's octaves that go so low that we cannot hear, but they're there. And if you know in your mind, you have it burned into your mind, that tone, then you just need to imagine the lower octave. And when it comes to nerve regeneration, how I've been working with Dia, um, she can't hear above a certain pitch, but she can hear the lower pitches. Well, helping her understand this level of music theory and the octave and putting the pressure points on the hearing nerve ending along with sending the cerebral fluid, which takes the glia, which allows, you know, the communication of the neurons, then she can identify now the higher octave that she was not able to. And once, you know, we're able to sit down with whatever song we're talking about, she can, you know, either start to hear it or feel the resonance of it. But either way, she can start to um, identify with her hearing the way it was before she started to lose it. And that's been one of the most dynamic aspects of this, is, is that I have someone to work with at this level on a regular basis and to gather data on a regular basis about this. So yeah, I just wanted to throw out the salt, the saltarium, you know, that's something that we all have. We can learn all how, we can all learn how to play the harp and it's, it's in our brain. <laughs> yeah, that's very to the point about the integration of skills. So in this, I think uh, for AI, uh, it's all about quantifications. So like how uh, you said about the number of cycles, and the high and low octaves, those are like quantifications of data, which plays a key role in AI in learning process. Because as human beings, it's easy for us to learn a variety of terms, variety of languages, 
but when it comes to ai it can understand only the quantified terms so it is our uh, duty to quantify the terms from the knowledge extracted from the domain experts like we got like number of cycles and high and low octaves and so many brain ter terminologies and the polymerizations bond and about the neurons and we saw about like how it is used for autism i have seen articles which have been used for schizophrenia and all so i think uh, this is about how we do quantifications uh, in order to make uh, the ai understand the terms which has been specified by our domain experts so i think uh, we have we'll move on to the comment section and then go to the section 4 okay yeah so yeah pia has like i have always struggled with meditation practice i wish i could get to that experience yeah it, it's important and you know wishing is is the first step you know um the mind can't conceive of that which is not in its experience so once you experience it, it it's hard to go back you know it, it's hard to not want to do it so it's just a matter of of starting and um and again we're not we're not talking about the relaxation meditation right it, everybody can do that you do that well pia when you read when you study when when you're just sleeping right so you do meditate but what we're talking about is the actual science the hard science of it and the the quantification of it and and that's the hard part that's the part that people have a hard time with because it takes time and it's hard there's nothing relaxing about it when you're sitting there trying to achieve these things it is not a relaxing situation but there are cures you know, like this stuff cures cancer it it helps with multiple sclerosis it helps with schizophrenia these these are documented things and um it it shouldn't be easy you know and not at this point you know 2021 and this isn't common knowledge in kindergarten it, it's not going to be easy you can't expect it to be um that and we have jobs you know we got to work we how do we segment our time you know to go sit in the closet for a few hours you know it's tough so don't beat yourself up yeah she also told like what he's saying is that the tones and pitches i can't hear in songs i listen to them again after he tells me which tones to listen for which he mimics it with his voice and i hear it weirdly beautiful actually yeah we call this uh, in ai terms like we create an hypothesis and we prove yeah. it yeah right. so i think uh, this is like a proof of concept for you right what the final uh, section of uh, the 5a uh, five eyes of ai so this most uh, special i would say like instigate part mm -hmm. so uh, instigate is like in our life uh, we get uh, we there are instigators for who motivates or who captivates us or like we get instigated by uh, mistakes we make 
and uh, we learn through that and uh, we go again back to the ideation stage to build up the knowledge base again so uh, the instigate stage is one of the most important and it's like a user interface of uh, ai system where we uh, give the problems and we get the solution sometimes uh, the user interface won't be as much as we expected so we refine the process again and again as per the user's intentions or requirements so i think uh, you can elaborate on the instigation process or like how we go back again to the ideation to update the knowledge base okay um let let's say that you're dealing with someone who is schizophrenic right there they have to um have something like zyprexa or zyprexazitis which is an antipsychotic to calm them down they've gotten to the point now to where you can you know put it on your skin and it'll dissolve into your skin right um those those came through instigation of practices whereas like like someone was walking around with a needle syringe and you know stuck the wrong person with with the drug and it's not funny but it's happened that's how they came up with with that that solution right with a, a topical solution that can be used for that in this situation um let's talk about the fact that right now there is no analog for how doctors prescribe this or how psychotherapists um the best thing that they have is the DSM case study book which gives decades and decades of personality profiles and on top of that you have this 600 question maybe more tests the Minnesota mental personality inventory test right which again gives you your personality baseline well when you start working with someone and you've instigated what what they're having a hard time with and and you kind of have to poke the bear a little bit to get them to react to get them to respond um once you've taken them through the whole process if if they've allowed themselves to go through the process then we go all the way back to the beginning right so just imagine this imagine you're teaching someone the note a right and this person is used to the Suzuki school of music open the book right but no we're only using the note a we're working all the way through this process and let's say that they suffer dementia so halfway through the process they don't even know who you are they don't know what a is right and so you take them through the whole process okay well in the in the western scale there's 12 notes right so you got to go all the way back now we're going to work with a sharp right not even b but a sharp and those dynamics because a sharp is a different frequency than b even though they're the same note there is a certain fluctuation that is different um and so on so when you do that type of instigation right and you're creating a novelty that you can say okay doctor this is how we would you know prescribe this and and like if you want to let's just say you want to turn it into a game or a video game or um a guitar lesson or if they're going to learn the violin or piano okay then they have to then start with okay you got a and then you have a quarter tone of a and then a higher quarter tone of a and then a higher quarter tone of a and infinite a a a a and you never get to b right you push those boundaries you push those boundaries 
so that you can gather that quantifiable data to go all the way back to the beginning. Because as we were talking about earlier, someone who's suffering dementia is completely different from someone who's suffering depression due to a trauma or someone who's dealing with just happy, sad, I don't want to go to work today type thing, or someone who's suffering a burnout or a mother who's learning all over again how to communicate with her child. All of these things are different. So it's, it's an endless array of going back after the instigation part to even create a tangible product that would allow this to be an artificial intelligence. And, and we can do it, we can get there, but it, it takes huge amounts of data and huge amounts of instigation to be able to do this. And this is where I've succeeded in corporate culture implementation, right? If, if you're dealing with the sales force of 150 people, that, that, that's 150 different personalities, right? Some are good at what they do, some are bad at what they do, some don't want to be there, some just don't care. Others, you know, are going to cheat the system. Others are, you know, the follow the rules and going to tell on everybody. You got all of those dynamics going. So it's like you instigate here, well, this isn't going to work for this other person. And I have to take myself back to the fundamentals of, of what I do and think, okay, well, how am I going to reach this person? And how am I going to quantify that data? Because I got to go back to the boss guy who's over everybody and say, okay, well, this learning module for this subset of sales reps is going to be different than this learning module for this set of subsets. And now we have to create different incentive packages. Now we have to create different, you know, strategies on how they're going to deliver or whatever. And not only that, but I got to stay on for another year. So now you got to, you know, deal with that because I can't stop now. You know, how, how are you going to stop this? And it becomes a whole range of, of dynamics that we have to go through. Um, that's where we start to get into novelty versus innovation, right? So how can we drive home how innovative this can be in a situation like that where, okay, you know, maybe you can train just one person or two people to learn what I'm doing and create subsets, create new positions within a corporation if they can afford it, right? so that these people can grow and work with other people, right? And then they can be inclusion specialists for that particular field, for that particular job, especially if they're good at that job already, you know? And um, and we find that happening now more than ever, especially with artificial intelligence. And that's where I sort of kind of demystify the myth of, oh, well, artificial intelligence is gonna take over everything and all the humans are gonna lose their jobs. No, that's no. That's a social thing. We can overcome that easily if you know we take these steps and have these types of discourses in regard to something that's so stigmatized, right? Um, to create new innovations and to start teaching just the absolute youngest generation, which is embryo. And even before then, taking subsets of, let's say, people who want to adopt or want to have children. Okay, well, you got to go through this first because you're going to be teaching, you're going to be molding these people who are going to come out into this world and we're going to need them to behave, right? To, to be, to understand that you are, that you exist, and to have to know that you have the knowledge that you are. Behave, right? You got to behave. <laughs> and that's, that's what I call this, uh, 
the, the, the behave system. And um, so, yeah, novelty and innovation through rectifying errors, errors in judgment, errors in implementation, errors in uh, all kinds of facets. And most importantly, errors in knowledge acquisition. And I really love that module because, again, how we attain our knowledge, where it comes from, and the depth in which we learn it, if we can learn something to its end, right? So when I learn a word, right, like the word steering, for example, um, you learn it to its etymology, to its very, like, first existence where it ever was, and you start there, and then you look at how, how it evolved, what it turned into, and all of those kinds of things. And, um, and by the way, that was one of my first introductions into opening up the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is all we had when I was a kid. We were pretty poor, so uh, there was no such thing as education, right? We didn't talk about that. But I had an eight-track of a band called Rush, and there was a song of We Are the, uh, we are the Priests of the Temples of Steering, right? And I knew what all of the other words were except steering. And I was like, what is that? And so I'm, I'm learning the song, you know, learning the song over and over again. And so finally I open up the Britannica and I'm like, steering. Oh, oh, wow, okay. And then I find out that, you know, birds have a steering. It's not only uh, a cavity that collects the glee on your spine. It's, you know, birds have it. Animals don't have it, you know. So it just really opened up my mind. And that kind of rectifying those errors, okay, well, now I'm not just learning music anymore. Now I'm learning the etymology of words. And then when my teacher, I had an English teacher, like, well, this is what the word etymology means. That's what you're doing. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, how we get the information is, is so important and how we go from novelty to innovation um, for the last one in terms of user interface. User interface. Yeah, perfect. I think you rightly touched upon how uh, we move from the novelty to the innovation part. It's perfect, uh, Michael. I think uh, we have uh, covered up like from the ideation stage to the instigate stage and back up again to the ideation stage. So it's like I, I like the way you mentioned like we have so many arrays of uh, field to be covered or arrays of uh, uh, what do you say like problems like it's not specific it's not for autism it's not for schizo it's diverse there and for each one it is different and uh, we have to come up with solutions each time for different things right and um, right. Uh, signals also uh, it differs from person to person so i think we have to create a specialized model for or specific model for each person so there we have to come back again to the ideation stage to improvise it and uh, to bring back more uh, novelty in the solutions. So I, I want to end up this session uh, with uh, 10 generalized questions. And uh, okay. these questions uh, will be uh, asked for all the guests. And then we can have a group discussion in one of the, um, what, like one of the episodes with all the guests. So that was awesome. oh my goodness. <laughs> so this, uh, these questions uh, I have collected from the persons uh, who think like they don't know about AI exactly. So like I collected from that. So so first one is uh, what aspect of uh, human intelligence fascinates you? The aspect of human intelligence that fascinates me is our ability, uh, our ability to remember, 
our ability to utilize our hippocampus to remember and to be able to like what okay to be able to understand nightmares has just blown my mind to to that is is one facet of our human intelligence is to understand nightmares there's so much involved there and it's so easy to do but it's it's been at the crux of hardships for so many people so that that's one okay so which part of human intelligence do you think you want to be uh, you should be or should not be incorporated to ai which part of human intelligence should be or should not be incorporated to ai ai um competition okay just on its surface right should not be incorporated into ai right it, like why why do you want artificial intelligence to compete or to sit around comparing things you're already entering the data mm-hmm. right what should be incorporated is early childhood learning as okay. early as possible as soon as humanly possible as i mentioned you know so imagine you have a a group of six people in a room but you have 12 students okay because they're going to children right so you have 12 students but six people that should be incorporated into ai um as soon as possible early childhood literacy early childhood learning this stuff right mm, i'm not going to debate you know, like school right i i appreciate school i appreciate all the teachers all of that kind of thing but we're not talking about that right we're talking about what should or should not be incorporated with ai though those are my two ever so humble looking that's nice so if you have a chance to choose an ai robot model which would help you in any of your work in daily life which work would you uh, create it for i would create it for um well what i've been creating it for is one mothers right because that that's usually who i've been working with and because there is an electromagnetic um communication between the thymus gland of mother and child i haven't had an opportunity to work with father um so much but i have had an opportunity to work with ceos so i would say in the home and in the workplace are two areas where we can really um create intersect that would be for the betterment of people just across the board that's great so do you think will ai replace humans and will it lead to unemployment or will it lead to new employments new okay. jobs um common sense will lead to better employment innovation will always lead to institutions and it is inevitable that in any institution there will be corruption that's my answer to that for me personally my whole quest my whole reason for going as far into this is because that is a social question it is my goal and it is my like it is my life's work to be able to be the person that said no i innovated something that absolutely employed these people and not only that but they were replaced by the ai and in being able to teach them new skills 
and to be able to create funds to give them the opportunity to learn, implement, and create new things for their own lives because they didn't have to be at this job anymore. You know, that is the social construct that I want to develop. And as idealistic as it is, I believe it's possible. If not in my lifetime, I'm raising a daughter that will definitely bring it into her lifetime. Right. So um, should it be necessary to include AI as a mandatory business strategy in any business? Well, I don't get into mandatory, not mandatory, right? Because who am I to say what someone should do with what they built? I would hope that we get to a conscious state enough, right? To where they just do it and they do it for the right reason, right? So if a CEO is making a kajillion billion dollars, well, you know what? Only make a kajillion dollars this year and put all of your money into developing a construct like I just described before, right? That's the only way it's going to happen. Okay, that's good. So uh, can AI be a friend or enemy? Well, it can be both. Our, our own mind can be a friend or an enemy, right? I mean, we, we live with that every day. So absolutely. Um, if a mind that creates the AI is an enemy mind, then it's going to create an enemy AI. Yeah, correct. So do you think an AI can bring like equity, inclusiveness, and uh, can it uh, bring um, like it can, it can remove discriminations? like uh, bringing this uh, AI accessible to all people irrespective of economic status. Uh, is it possible? Uh, can we make like affordable devices so that everybody can access in any geographical or any economic status? And the studies that I've done in all of the years that I've studied, there have been people who have been risking their lives to make that possible. So not only should it be, it should have been by now. So yes. yeah, absolutely. So um, AI, is it necessary really, or is it essential in our day-to-day -day life? Is it necessary or essential? Yeah. It should be, it, it should be necessary. It should be essential. All right. I don't know if Tom Cabral is, is in the chat there, but um, he does great. We were talking about the automation of trucks, right? Well, I, I know truckers. I know truckers who would love to be off the truck, right? But they don't want to lose their jobs. But if you take a situation where you can take a trucker, right, for example, teach them different subsets, right? Because we're going to need new roads. We're going to need new lanes, right? put them to work you're right so give them other things we're going to need ads a lot of them are creative right there there are whole other facets of life that we can create so these automated trucks they're going to have new um green ways of running so that means we can have miles and miles and miles of farms now you know where a lot of these truckers who are going to lose their jobs hypothetically can now be farmers and they would love that Right. They would love to have that kind of job where they're cultivating and and they're out of this whole, you know, trucker thing. And, and I'm not talking about the ones who love trucking. We're not talking about that. 
we're talking about will people lose their jobs, right? No, absolutely not. Again, that is a social thing. That's up to us. That's up to us personally. Right. So what is a user-friendly feature would you like to have in AI in any uh, field? The most user-friendly feature is the, the full immersiveness in AI. And, um, you know, Ashley, Ashley Pico, if she's still on, um, she's creating a, a wonderful app um, of like tours for cities and things like that, that type of thing. So uh, imagine now if she integrated something like this into, well, okay, you know, you can go to this museum and in this piece of artwork, there's going to be this bit of information if you can decipher it. And that will lead to like a restaurant that's serving some kind of food and communicating with all of these vendors or whatever that this is going to be happening. And, you know, that type of feature, the full immersiveness in the human condition is and should be part of the AI feature. Great. So the final question. So do you think the evolution factor of human intelligence will cease after the introduction of AI? <laughs> Let me tell you the secret of the arts. Try to decipher this. We started with resonance, right? You can feel me, and then we degenerated as a species. Then we had to paint pictures. You're, you don't feel me anymore. You don't resonate with me anymore. Now I gotta paint a picture, right? Then we degenerated even more as a species. Now it can't resonate with me. The picture's not working. Now I gotta do a dance for you. Then we degenerated even more. Now you can't resonate the picture's not working the dance isn't working so now i gotta create a whole cgi universe movie to communicate a very simple idea costing billions of dollars and that's what we're calling advanced so just sit on that for a little bit well yeah so we are <laughs> finished yeah that's the secret of the art <laughs> so Ashley is here, like she's still there, so sweet. Yes, thank you. She mentioned a thank, thanks for you, Michael. Yeah. So yeah, so I just want to tell, like I have come across many posts and many um, where people say like AI will replace human beings or will it be destructive? We have to fear for AI. It's all about the intentions we create AI system. If our intention of creating AI system is for the good purpose and it really aids human beings, then it is really a good system. And if our emotional intelligence is so bad and then we come up with a purpose which is leading to a destructive AI system, then I think we have to fear for AI. It's not fear of AI. We have to fear for human beings who have the intentions of creating the AI systems in a destructive manner. So this, um, yeah, I would say like that. And uh, it's it's completely my perception. Maybe it can differ with uh, each person. Uh, and uh, I would say like um, this is a generalized model of inclusion where we can uh, create uh, or integrate AI with music therapy and meditation. At this end of session, we have created a generalized model, like what are the terms has to be included in knowledge base, 
what are the terms has to be uh, included in inference engine and how knowledge acquisition and learning module has be has to be created for music therapy and uh, finally uh, we saw how the user interface has to be there so we just uh, uh, had a generalized model creation here which uh, if a student is watching can elaborate on this by incorporating AI to this. And if any entrepreneurs or business people watching this can enhance this idea, there is so much uh, to learn from this. And I think uh, anybody listening to this can enhance knowledge in this from the ground level to the higher level. So it's all about how we uh, grasp it and uh, enhance it. So at the end of session, I would say let's all spread the uh, knowledge which we have gained and let's uh, have the evergreen branches uh, with uh, good knowledge spread among our family, neighborhood, and then let's increase it. Like how I'm, uh, I'm conversing with uh, Michael, who is in US, and we have no boundaries here. We are sharing our knowledge with everyone here. So I think uh, this is a knowledge base for everyone. And um, thank you all for joining. And uh, Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, interesting thoughts tonight. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, this thank is you. so much for me. I never thought I would get so much love and support from you people. Uh, this is beyond the expectations which I had. And uh, Ashley, it's like beautifully stated. Anishizidi, you and Michael were on fire tonight. Awesome work. Thank you so thank much, you. Ashley, for waking up till now. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> an early bird who goes to sleep at 8.30 and she wakes up faster. Thank you so much for your love and support. This means a lot for me. Yeah. This is how like it shows like how we have made a connection to a friendly, uh, to a level of friendship. It's it's magic here. And I really yeah. love this. And uh, we have like, Ashley, the limit does not exist when it comes to these two. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, Pia. <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah we got like one hour 18 minutes I don't think uh, I never thought this much duration so it was, it was like very short span for me and uh, yeah when it comes to knowledge we don't have time limit also time bound also so thank you right. so much <laughs> like you never um, you were so flexible when I asked you to be a guest and being the first episode, uh, you 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 are so cool and so flexible in giving it, and I like your effort and sincerity which you put in to create a generalized model. This is really useful for the students out there, to my students who are going to have any incorporation in AI in music therapy. So this is a domain knowledge which you have given them, and I think thank you so much for this, and this means a lot. And you know, in the next episode, we have Ashley to. Uh, have conversation yeah. with and uh, I think we all have, will have good time and uh, this is so much for me and thank you so much thank you so much thank you so, so much. anything ending note Michael uh, I just want to thank everybody for being here and um, I mean if anybody wants to reach out and dive into this and maybe you know do some sessions and, and give this thing a test drive reach out to me because I'd, I'd love to gather the data. I'd love to bring the results. And I've been trying to figure out a way to introduce this to LinkedIn in a real way where I don't come off like coachy and that kind of thing. So just thank you so much for being here and allowing me to talk and being as receptive as you have been. Like I love my 
LinkedIn group. I, I just love them to death. And this is about as social as I've been in like the past 10 years. So amazing for me. Yeah. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining. And thank you so much. So yeah, okay. we'll end up this question. Yeah. Bye, thank you. Thank you.